We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. People who are outside of the church are not under the jurisdiction of the church. That means we should not go out into our community and judge them as though they were brothers and sisters in Christ, professing believers. That's God's job. Well, a sneak peek to where we're headed today on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Hi, and welcome to our program. As Pastor Layton continues working through 1 Corinthians, we find ourselves right in the middle of chapter 5 today, looking at God's discipline. Discipline, especially as it relates to sexual immorality, sexual sin. And boy, our culture is thick with it, isn't it? So what does God have to say on the issue for you and I as believers in Christ, uniquely and specifically? Here's Pastor Layton as we get today's study verse by verse underway. Chapter 5 is devoted to the problem of immorality in the church, particularly sexual immorality, but of even greater concern was the church's tolerance and consent of such activity. In fact, most of this chapter is aimed at those who refuse to take corrective action. Evidently, the Corinthian church failed to see that there was any need for discipline here, perhaps mistaking the freedom that we have in Christ as a license to sin, which it was never intended to be. And it was not a matter of this church not having been well taught. They had some of the greatest teachers in the history of the church, Paul and Apollos. They knew what was right and wrong. And in a copy of a letter that we do not have a copy of, but Paul references it in this letter, Paul had written to that church giving instructions to not associate with sexually immoral people. The teaching was really clear. Now, Paul and Apollos had only been gone for a short time, but it's Fascinating how quickly a church can become disoriented or reoriented when under the influence of leaders that are not good and godly leaders. The kind of leaders that Paul reprimanded in the chapter just previous to chapter 5. Now we're in chapter 5, verse 1. Paul begins by saying that there's something going on inside the church that would gross out even the pagans. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind that does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. Now, immorality there, the word in the original language is pornea, from which we get pornography. It refers to any illicit sexual activity. Illicit means against the law. The law we're speaking of is God's law. God's law allows for sex within the context of marriage, and marriage between one man and one woman until death do part. The phrasing with his father's wife suggests that this is the case of a man living with his stepmom, and the present tense of the verb suggested that the relationship was ongoing. From Cicero and others, we know that incest was strictly forbidden under Roman law, and so Paul correctly observes it does not even exist among the Gentiles. And inasmuch as Paul did not require discipline for the woman involved, it is quite probable that she was not a believer. 
Because in verses 12 and 13 of this same chapter, Paul says, It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. So based on this passage, it's probable that the woman involved was not a professed believer. People who are outside of the church are not under the jurisdiction of the church. That means we should not go out into our community and judge them as though they were brothers and sisters in Christ, professing believers. That's God's job. Verse 2, you become arrogant and have not mourned. See, more shocking to Paul than the sin itself was the church's toleration of it. There are churches across America today that take pride in their tolerance of behavior that the Bible describes as sin. Sin is sin. And God does not change. This church had become so self-satisfied and self-confident that they rationalized the most wicked of behaviors in their midst. Perhaps they looked on incest as some kind of expression of Christian liberty. Or perhaps they looked on their toleration of it as an expression of Christian love. In any case, their arrogance had blinded them to the truth of God's standards, and God's standards do not change. They should have mourned instead. A church that does not mourn over sin, especially sin within its own fellowship, is a church that is on the edge of spiritual disaster. We should... when When we cease to lose being shocked by sin, we lose one of our strong defenses against it. And we're continuously shocked by the sinful behavior that we see in the culture around us. And we're constantly inundated through television with images of sinful behavior going on around us. And that continuous flow of shock can numb us and dampen our senses of outrage and mourning when we see sinful behavior in ourselves and our families and our church family. And we should never allow ourselves to become numb. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 5, 3, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. So we must remain on guard and ever watchful for any sort of sin that threatens the purity of the church. And when it is found, we should be in spiritual mourning until it is cleansed. 1 Corinthians 5, 2 continues, You've been arrogant, you've not mourned instead, so that the one who has done this deed should be removed from your midst. For I and my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has committed this as though I were present. So Paul makes clear here that the action that should have been taken for this man who had refused to repent was that he should be excommunicated. He should be removed from your midst. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Because in Matthew chapter 18, we are provided the biblical method for church discipline. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus provides a biblical method for church discipline. We're going to uh, verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18. It begins, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. So 
what Matthew is saying, or through the book of Matthew is saying, that we have a right and a responsibility to confront a person who sins if that person is our brother or sister in Christ. If that person is not our brother or sister, then they're not a member of the family of God in Christ, and therefore we do not have a right or responsibility to confront them. We have a right and a responsibility to confront those who are brothers and sisters in Christ if they're in sin. The second thing that the passage teaches us is that whenever possible, keep the circle of those who know about the sin small. Now, this runs contrary to the teaching that some people have that every sin should be publicly exposed and that not exposing every sin is being involved in a cover-up. The Bible teaches that those exposed to information about the sin should be limited, if at all possible. Verse 16, But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed. Implication of this is the person is uh, accused has refused to confess or repent. Therefore, the accuser is to take additional leaders who can bear witness to the discussion and they can investigate the legitimacy of the accusations, thereby confirming or disaffirming every fact. What does this tell us? It's important to protect members of the family against false accusations. Now, if the accusations proved true and supported by the facts and the evidence, then the team should confront the individual. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector. So if a person refuses to confess and repent of the sin where the facts have been confirmed, they are to be brought before the church, the leaders of the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the, to the church, then they are to be excommunicated. Now the passage says that we're to treat them like a tax collector. A tax collector, in the time uh, that this was written, was a local citizen who was assigned by the invading government, Rome, to collect taxes on their behalf. They were, in effect, traitors to their very own people. And they were to be treated as such. And believers who were confronted concerning sin and refused to confess and repent in their sin are to be treated as traitors. And it is not appropriate to give aid and comfort to the enemy. And traitors are enemy. You know, somebody can have the best of intentions. They want to encourage somebody that they've been with in church, a friend. And by choosing their course of being encouraging, they can actually encourage that friend down a path that leads to their own devastation and destruction. Verse 18 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, oftentimes we hear this verse in the context of spiritual war, binding demons, and so forth. But actually this verse is in the context of church discipline. 
And what the verse says is that when church leadership pronounces a legitimate judgment here on earth, that is one that has gone through the process that's described in Scripture, that that judgment has already been pronounced in heaven. Did you notice the past tense? Heaven already knows and has already pronounced judgment. There are no secrets in the spiritual realm. Now, the believer who sneaks around sinning might be able to hide their sin from others here on earth for years, but heaven already knows and has already passed judgment upon them. And when a church finds out about ongoing sin in the life of one of its members and follows the biblical pattern of discipline, they are following what has already been accomplished in heaven because the church on earth is modeled after the church in heaven. Some theological moorings to our study of discipline here on today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. That is all the time we have today. We trust today's program has encouraged you in your understanding of how God loves us to the point that He'll discipline us when we find ourselves outside of His will. Questions, comments about the program, prayer requests, information about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. Visit our website, highlands.us, a great resource to get to know us better. highlands.us. Tomorrow, more of 1 Corinthians 5 here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.